been 20, 25 years ago because we were still, even if this came out here or we're still at, uh, but uh, when you have out outlines or any paper, you know, and uh, of course when we lived over here, if you put anything in the, in the basement, you know, it didn't take very long for it to mold. And, but uh, where I live now, it, you know, it's, it's not dank, it's, but uh, paper after a while uh, fades. And, but uh, me and one of my neighbors was talking, and he said his wife worries about everything. And I said, I said, well, I think we all worry. We say we don't. I say I don't worry, and I, I don't like most people. Uh, but uh, we have a choice. We can call it whatever we want to. We can turn our burdens to the Lord and pray about them and leave them alone or we can pray about them and then continue to worry about them or we can just worry about them and not pray at all but uh, it's very simple uh, worry will not solve a problem you know I'm very concerned about the condition of the membership of this church. But I don't worry about it. And I would say that honestly, but very concerned. If you look around, you will find plenty of reasons to worry. The trouble with worry is that it doesn't seem all that harmful. The sun blasts cancer-causing rays. Air vents blow lung clotting mold. Potato chips have too many carbs. Vegetables have too many toxins. The economy is going to crash. We just go on. I just jot down some things today. But on that list, Worry goes on. We can concentrate on a lot of things. We lose our memory. And I think people can handle those things if you realize that they're real. You know, and uh, men probably have a worse habit of it than, than women. You know, I, I don't worry. But if you care, really care, it's hard not to worry uh, or be overly concerned. But uh, we drive worry what might happen if we walk. We walk, we worry what might happen if we drive and if we worry if we fly and these incidents I'm mentioning right now, I just jot them down this afternoon. But, you know, I've talked to people in the last few years, you know, they uh, 
some won't go to a city size of Lexington because they said, you realize how many people in Lexington been killed this year? You realize how many accidents there is? You know, and we can just follow those things until we have no joy. But worry comes from a Greek word that means to divide the mind. Anxiety splits up right down the middle, creating a double-minded thinker. Rather than taking away tomorrow's trouble, we worry. We void today's strength. Because worry will cause you to be weak physically, spiritually, and definitely emotionally. Now, what if I told you that God offers the possibility of a worry-free life? Not less worry, no worry. That is exactly what he does. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, notice here, the Lord, my dearly beloved. If we're standing in the promises of God instead of reading them, instead of memorizing them, but standing in the in that promise, God said, I will not put more on you than you can bear. Do we believe that or we don't believe that? I know for a fact that worry worry will affect your health. And we all go through those things. You put anybody down or anything, it isn't it isn't what we're talking about at all. But Christians in Philippi felt like very needed a bow spear. Attacks were coming at them from all ages. And we feel like that. There's a lot of people to, today that that uh, having a hard time making ends meet. You know, you go to the grocery, I mean, and everything is just about higher than it is. And, uh, you know, and, and to show you how people are, you know, such a little bit of help and they just look at it, what's causing that? I even had a man was talking to the cashier as I was in a store, a little old dollar store over home. And he said, you know, I told people that you just stick with our president and he lowered that gas. You know, and I... I wanted to say something, but I knew that would be an argument, so I didn't. You got to look at the whole plan, the whole plan that God saved me not to keep me out of hell, but He saved me to be a light to others. And when does our light shine the brightest? When there's problems. I don't worry if. If I'm not sick, if I don't feel bad, if I got enough money to pay my bills, I got a job, I mean, 
what have I got to worry about? But when I see those things going away, and that affects our mind, it affects the marriage, it affects children and parents' relationship. Now, in Philippians chapter 1, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, and verse, uh, look at verse uh, 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strive, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that God did not promise you a life without any sickness, without any worry, without any problems. Matter of fact, uh, Christians most of the time will have more problems than lost people. You know, these people out here that stay high all the time on drugs or alcohol or whatever, They're not worrying. They just don't worry. But instead of asking ourselves, what is God doing? See, squabbling church members threaten the unity of the church. Members of the family arguing among each other will cause the family not to have unity. Matter of fact, you know, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, which I skipped a moment ago, he said, I beseech that I ever have four or five children has because that God to our relationship with God, but sometimes he's going to add to our benefit, whether it be health, money, good family, whatever, and he may take it away, and it's not because you did something wrong or you're not a good Christian. What is through the scriptures, if you'll study, is that God tests his people. He tests Joe. I mean, we just name it Four or five people. Things happen to them. Peter, you know. All of these different characters in the Bible, at one time or another, they were tested. So when something goes wrong or we don't understand exactly what how things happen, you know, you, you don't understand. False teachers preach a crossless gospel. Notice in the third chapter of Philippians. Third chapter of Philippians. Verse 2 and verse 3. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. There's 
a lot of people that made a lot more money at IBM than I did. But I'd name you or go take you to these people that we worked almost 30 years together, at least 25 years together. They don't have a house. They don't have a new car. They live from week to week. Why? Because they didn't follow the principles that is laid down in the Word of God. God's principles is that we prepare for winter. He's no longer a member of this church. We didn't have any problems with him. Uh, maybe dead by now. I don't know. But if you knew Brother Gene Watson, you couldn't help but like him. I mean, you know, he was a Gene. But he hated by wood, and he would wait till it got real cold or snowing before he'd ever start gathering wood. I never could figure that out. You know, why would you do that when you know your source of heat was going to be wood? You were the one who was going to go cut it and saw it up and haul it to you. But he did that all the time that I knew it. You know, nothing wrong, I guess, about that. But God tells us to prepare. And he uses the ant. We learn a lot from the ant. Because we worry about things we can't help and we worry about things that we bring on ourselves. I mean, a man that drank all his life, he can't get upset if he comes down with the roses of the liver. Young men and women who drank constantly, what's going to happen? Professing Christians who makes a profession of faith but never serves God, never has a desire to be in his house, to learn, to be a doorman in the house of God. They have no desire for that. And they, if I was like so-and-so, if I was like so-and-so. Same chapter, the third chapter, look at verse 18, Philippians 3, 18. God said, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Who is an enemy of the cross of Christ? We'll answer that in a moment. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mine earthly things. What is God saying here? 
See, when we look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, and verse 18 and 19, or we look at the whole chapter. I mean, it's a wonderful book for you to, you should read many, many times. But when we waste, 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 you know, and different situations, you know, uh, the 20th day of this month, my wife will be in glory for five months. And you would think in five months that I would have the house cleaned out the way I want it. But it's not. Well, I can't complain and say, well, I wish the basement was the way I wanted now and I wish this was the way I wanted. You know, sometimes things happen that affects our our mind, our state of mind, and they are not priority anymore. So we choose what is important to us. But what is important to Brother Steve may not be what should have been taken care of. Some believers struggle to find food and shelter. The 19th verse in chapter 4 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches of his glory by Jesus Christ. I believe that the food situation it will be worse in three months from now than it is now. Hope it's not, but I believe it is. Well, God said, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. What needs is he talking about? All your needs, physical, spiritual, emotional. See, so we got a re- Responsibility. We got a responsibility. See, some believers struggle to find food and shelter. I mean, the homeless population is increasing every year. I differ a little bit on some people. I think most of them are homeless because they choose to be homeless. But some, you know, if it wasn't from bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. We know that's a worldly saying, but, but you know, uh, I mean, I consider myself, you know, from the time I was 18 years old till I retired, I was never without a job. Not one day. So I'm going to say, but you know, God took care of me. But I was willing to work when I didn't like my job 
and I wasn't making enough really to pay my bills. And when you do that, God will bless you. Because he didn't do that to me or he didn't do it to somebody I know or somebody you know because uh, God doesn't work that way. But God does bless those who depend upon him. Persecution outside, problems inside. Think about that. Persecutions outside. When you're overly into worry, you're not going to handle it. One reason that I believe even a lot of church members, church members of Ammerman, but, but you know, I, I held a revival in Mississippi, and, and I mean, I preached on the importance of godly counsel. I mean, about a half of the people, I mean, they just shut the Bible up, you know. So I asked the preacher, I said, you know, did I say something wrong? He said, no, they don't believe in counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists. I said, oh, then I'm glad God put that sermon on my heart. Because there are some people that the physical doctor, the medical doctor, cannot help. And I don't expect everybody to raise their hands, amen, praise the Lord for you, brother. But I do know that we are made up of what? A body, a soul, and a spirit. And if either one of those three is not working right, we have problems. So our immediate reaction is, yeah, right, and, and while I am at it, I'll, uh, you know, leapfrog the uh, moon, you know. They always respond to some silly thing. But two words summarize this opinion of worry and irreverent and, and irreverent, you know, not wanting to accept things as they are. Now, you know, I could use that last two or three thoughts on uh, why are churches not growing? And people will say, well, we're living in the last days. And people don't want, you know, they don't want no part of religion. Well, that's very evident. But does a lost man ever want to be a part of religion? Did you love the church until God saved you, brother? You know, we asked ourselves, until God made a difference in it, I didn't care about church, you know. When John, my family, you know, and, and they looked at me and I was the last stray dog that they would get, I said, man, I don't need this. to see our need but when we 
when we look at the Bible, let's use 25. Matthew and 25. Here in Matthew, the 6th chapter and the 25th verse, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to, he's talking to his people. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his statue? And why take he thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet, I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If I believe that I'm more important to God than the squirrel that I ran out of my house today. You know. But God Cheer that squirrel. Because if he hadn't have, I would have probably had him tomorrow for breakfast or dinner or something. You ever a squirrel? Sure you have. Old mountain boy. Amen. So when was the last time you solved the problem by worrying about it? I got behind in my bill, so I resolved to worry my way out of debt. A few sleepless nights, a day of doing this and doing that. So you, you got to un- understand that unless you are grounded in biblical principles, you're going to be like most of the world. I mean, I don't think. We Christians have been blessed and God has taken care of us realize that there are so many people out there today that don't even know who they are. And that should be me. That should be you. But deep down we say, but they had a choice. Yeah? You sure do. But God had somebody waiting when I fell to pick me up. It doesn't happen. Worries changes nothing. You don't add one day to your life or one bit of life to your day by worrying. Anxiety earns you heartburn. all does. A few sleepless nights, a day of perking and, and hand-wringing, yelling at the kids, take some pills, all are the effects of it. What I found out is that you can't worry and pray at the same time. 
And I know people that are that worry over everything. And I often wonder, what do they accomplish from it? Do we all have we all worried? Yeah, I'm safe to say we all have worried. So I have worry, but does worry have me? You know, that's the question that we ask ourselves. But uh, worry changes nothing except it makes your physical body and your mental state that has no joy. Anxiety earns you heartburn, nothing more. I mean, there are sayings that, you know, uh, I think that I've handled my wife's death as good as most people could because every day I thank God for the 55 years we had and not for the four months that I haven't had her. We have to look at how good he's been to us. But we don't live on that past. And, and I'll get around as we close here, you know, in a few, few minutes, is that we, and not we, but all, all, all of the smaller churches have got this thing in their mind that we can't do nothing. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You can read the Bible through and through and through by reading one chapter a day. Just one chapter. When you're done with it, you just go back and you start it over. I don't know how many times I've read the book of Proverbs. And I find something almost every week that I didn't see before. Thirty percent of worry regard unchangeable deeds of the past. Twelve percent focus on the opinions of others that cannot be controlled. That's one thing that I asked God. Brother Hunley told me when he came down to Lawrenceburg to hold a revival for me. He said, I'm going to give you some advice. When, when people want to instruct you how to do the job that only God can show you how to do it, look at them and smile. You never hear a word they say. Now, I'm not up here saying don't take advice from people. But you know, A uh, drunk can't take advice from an alcoholic. And a dope user can't take advice from one that is completely controlled by him. So the things that we worry about 
Very few have ever happened. But 92% of our worries are needless. Not only is worry irrelevant, doing nothing, but worry is also distrusting God. Distrusting God. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. Matthew 6, verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not raved like one of these. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than flowers that you put out that are real. And you see God takes that little bud and, and, it, and it just flourishes out. And we say, you know, some people, oh, I don't have a green thumb. Well, I don't either, but uh, it's God that makes that flower grow or it won't grow. It's God that makes that lily beautiful, not what we do. So worry betrays a frail faith and unconscious blaspheme. We don't intentionally doubt God, but aren't we essentially doubting him when we worry? go to a doctor and if you if you ever had cancer or if you had a heart problem or if you had some other problem and you get feeling bad, the first thing that jumps in your mind, you know, is the cancer back? Is my heart worse now? Or you know, is this? That's not being natural. But the same God that took care of the heart before and the same God that put the cancer in remission, he hadn't changed. What he expects of me and you hadn't changed. So Paul is not promoting an irresponsible, careless life. We are not to be like the procrastinating preacher that says keep putting off everything. I won't worry, he told himself, and the Holy Spirit will give me my message. All week long, he avoided his work. See, you can't wait till the last few minutes before you're going to preach or teach. If you know somebody wanted wants to talk to you about a particular problem, they came to you because they believe and feel like that you understand. Then you ought to get yourself pumped up. Everything you know about that, you ought to. Be ready so you can answer the questions because that friend came to you because they believe that you can help them. There's somebody out there that only you can touch. That's why I encourage my church members to visit, to, to witness, to pass out tracts because there's somebody out there that I can't reach but lend them mic. 
duty, Mike. Mike, Mike. See, I don't believe that the ones that I've led to, to the Lord, that you know, I'm the only one that to do it. No, God chose me to lead them. So as we close, Paul tells us that we place with the Philippians over little my little neighbor, Dora Spoiler Rothman. You know, any holidays she would parents don't care about McDonald's. She loved McDonald's so. I don't know how many $5 gift certificates that I bought, but, but she made student of the month from her school. And they over there, they bring a sign out and put in their yard. So I, I went and got her. I knew what time she'd gone, so I went and got a, her favorite little meal, cheeseburger, and and fries and coke. And so when she got off the bus, I went over and I said, this is for being student of the month. And I got so much faith that you're going to be student of the month next month that I bought you a certificate and your mom was going to keep it. See, I got faith in you. And she looked around and said, Mommy, he got faith in me. So it don't take you much. It don't, it don't take much. She puts in first grade. You know. But if she can see from the first grade that there's people that cares about you, not from you to see. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for the 